Well, my Let's Keep It Real people, all I can say is thank you, thank you, thank you. So many blessings coming to you for all your support, not just for listening to our podcast, the recorded ones and the live ones, but the guests you're bringing to me and the listeners. Boy, does it help when you share, rate, and like, and you've been coming out of the woodwork for me, so I'm very, very, very grateful. Also, when I announced I was getting back into coaching individuals and corporations, ah, the people that came to me are just so incredible. And to be able to help them on their journey, to tap into their true powers, their unique gifts to the world, their superpowers, I am having a blast. I did not realize how much I missed it and I enjoy it. So if you or someone you know is interested, check out my website, sandyjoyweston.com. Reach out. We'll set up a time to see if we're a match. I just know the right people are going to come to me. When you're ready, I'm here, baby. I'm here and waiting and I get beyond. Like I sit here, my energy just goes through the roof. Okay. And also, thanks for supporting me on my recent journal, Recess to Reset for Kids 8 to 12. You can purchase it on Amazon. I'm telling you, you're going to love it. You're going to want one for yourself. I'm using it. I really love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. Enough of that. My next guest. Ooh. She's the bomb. She's amazing. What she has done in her life to give back, help others. Hoochie Mama. It's just incredible. And her story and the fact that she really doesn't like public speaking. And this is her first podcast. Also, talk about overcoming fear. Her and I are in heroic public speaking grad because she does want to speak out and do a TEDx. And believe me, she will. So we appreciate you sharing just even with one individual that you know this will inspire rating and liking. It makes a huge difference. Enjoy, my friends. Toodles. This is Let's Keep It Real with Sandy Joy Weston your weekly dose of positivity with awesome stories and guests from all over the world. It's an opportunity to learn some great new things and expand your mind. We'll tackle topics from all areas of life, and as always with Sandy, the sky's the limit. Okay, hold on to your seat. I know, I know, my let's keep it real people. You're like, Sandy, how the freak did you score Sinead? I know, her stories are going to be incredible. I love this woman. Before I even read about her and bring her on, let me just tell you how grateful I am that she's in my life. There's a little story about how we met. Yes, yours truly froze in front of people. Imagine that crying, couldn't speak. She goes, gets me some magic drink. I don't even know what it was. She didn't know me. Instantly, I fell in love with her. What an amazing human being. I had to bring her on the show. Who does that? I mean, she went and got me some green bullet. I don't even know what it was, but all of a sudden I was like, wow, what a kind, amazing soul. So I know you sent me tons of questions. I will try to get them in. She's had a magical, fun, crazy, some not so great journey. So let me tell you a little bit about Sinead Andrews. She spent over 25 years working in international emergencies and development work. At the age, I want you to listen to this, of 22, she was working in a refugee camp set up on the Rwanda-Tanzania border after the genocide that took place in Rwanda, killing 800,000 people. Oh my, I, I can't even imagine. My next overseas position was in Calcutta. Oh, Lord have mercy. Working with street children for an Irish NGO funding local Indian NGOs. Since then, I worked with the United Nations, mostly UNICEF, jumping from HQ and field positions in Dublin, New York, Lebanon, oh my God, everywhere, New Guinea, with short missions all over the place. Oh, she was even in Nigeria. Holy freaking moly. I'll let her tell you all about them because there's so many. She also interned for Senator Ted Kennedy in D.C. during the Clinton-Gore campaign election in 1992. Mm -mm -mm -mm. <sighs> thank you so much for coming on. I'm so excited. I know this is your first podcast, isn't it? It is. I'm nervous. Oh, my God. So we're going to crack that baby open. So <laughs> let's let's not even go into your life and all 
oh, I can't even imagine. And how and why at such a young age. But let's back up a second. If you were going to say one word or maybe two, give us the real deal, the let's keep it real deal of how you felt in the last 30 days, what word would be best to describe your past 30 days and why? Oh, action-packed. Action-packed. Oh, I never heard that one. Okay, tell us more. Well, I, I've I've moved from uh, New York uh, back to Ireland, where I'm from. I was living in the States for a long time. So I was traveling back from the US and, and uh, waiting for the shipment to arrive because there were delays for various reasons. And then, uh, mm. you know, transitioning in back home, back into Ireland and... Um, yeah, my mum wasn't well and I've been traveling around trying to figure out, you know, just various bits and pieces of, of, of uh, setting up home in, in Ireland again. So, yeah, yeah it's, been, it's been full of full of action, but it's been good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and by the way, just a shout out. We are in heroic public speaking grad program together because yeah. we want to do keynotes and TEDxes. I'm not even sure. Do you, What do you want to do? A TEDx? Is that what you're going to do? I, yeah, I think it's going to be a TEDx. Um, for as little amount of time as possible on the stage. <laughs> I'm so petrified at the whole thought of it. But oh my I God. Mean, so give yeah. it to me short, concise. <laughs> Let's get me in. Yeah. It. Yeah. And yeah. Like, get me out of there. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, do I really have to go off stage now? Please. Oh my God. Talk <laughs> about just polar ramble opposites. about nothing. All right. So <laughs> let's just dive into the biggest question that everyone wants to know. Why? How amazing did you want to do this at 22 years old? Holy moly. Oh, why did I want to get into development or humanitarian work? Well, I guess, you know, I suppose it's twofold. One is, you know, the type of kid that I was. I'm very sort of independent minded, free spirited. And, and you know, even in school, I was quite um, an activist and standing up for particular things that, you know, in, in Ireland, there was the North and South and there was a lot of, yeah, um, yeah. well, I mean, the violence wasn't in the South of Ireland, so I didn't experience much of that, but we knew about it. And um, yeah. so I used to sort of plug into that a bit. Um, and then, you know, I have a, a, a family history. Uh, my my grandmother was uh, very active in, in the day and she... <laughs> She was um, really very, no, yeah. She was very passionate about justice and and self determination. She was she was ah. a prisoner of war and she went on hunger Whoa. strike and yeah, yeah, yeah. She was very Whoa. very cool. And and then my father was a politician. I was a lot of you know he would have focused a lot on human rights and so so there was a certain amount in the blood, you know. Um, yeah. Apart from, um, and a lot of Irish people do that actually. They they sort of go uh, used to be called going to work for the missions, but of course it's it's evolved a lot now. It's yeah. It's, it's not like that. So did you have get to spend a lot of time with your grandmother, like and hear stories? Because oh my goodness. Well, you know the sad part is that she died before I was born, so I I I've actually only recently been starting to look into her her life and I've wow. been learning so much about her yeah I mean everybody my, my grandfather was quite well known but she she um her story wasn't told as, as much as my grandfather's so I felt you know this this lady needs to be uh, her story needs to be told and, and yeah. it's incredible what I'm finding out about her yeah it's really cool oh my god that's that's such a great like thing that you can pass down those stories like I would want to hear her story as soon as you said you know what she was about and how you said she was in a prison camp yeah she was a prisoner of war and at the time it's really interesting because here they open up the archives at 100 years after the fact so around the time when Ireland was when the becoming a republic um, yeah. was yeah. 1921. So um, a lot of the archives have been opened up and I'm finding information about her and about what what prison she was in. And I'm even mm. finding things that they brought her in prison during hunger strike. I saw lemon juice. I was like, why lemon juice? And I realized from Googling it that even when Gandhi was on hunger strike, he used to um, take lemon juice as a way ah. of keeping him somehow yeah, going. Yeah. It's not a break of, of fast, but um, oh. so yeah, the, I'm, I'm, I could bore you forever on that one, but no. it's, it's, it's something it's I'm definitely going to pursue. It's going to pursue that one. But yeah, no. I mean, that just, uh, yeah, that's the sort of, I think, as I say, that type of passion and uh, for justice. All right. So you don't know this about me, but because I probably don't look it, but I'm half Irish. And when I was growing oh, yeah. up, my mom is all Irish, Joyce Eileen Kelly. Wow. I used to get in trouble for wearing green on St. Patty's Day. My grandparents would say, you're 
large Irish. Get by that. I'm like, and I used to be like, but nobody's going to know. <laughs> why, they, why did they not want you to wear green on Paddy's Day? Because we were Methodist and we had to wear orange. Oh, jeez. And, and I'm a little kid. I don't know. You know what I mean? I want to wear green on oh, St. Paddy's wow. Day. So and they'd be like, you can't. Even over here, they're like, you, you know, I'm sure they came right over on the boat, but they were like, you cannot yeah. wear green. That's everything, you know, you're Methodist. And I'm like, That's but no wild. one's going to know here. No, and they didn't, Sinead. No one knew. Yeah. No one knew. <laughs> but they did, huh? God, they really were holding on, huh? <laughs> they were, and so I would wear the orange out the door. What do you think I had in my little backpack? My green. Because no one Good was going to know I was representing. And by the way, I always wanted to go to Ireland. And just a few years ago, I think it must have been 2017, I went with my son and we got to tour around and we loved it. Loved oh, it. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, loved it. We had, my husband couldn't go, but we had so much fun and he got to see everything. And he was like you in that, he's like, mom, we should tell more of their story. Like, so he wanted to go yeah. different places to find out more about them. It, it was so exciting. So exciting. All right. So let's go back into, cause I have to dive into it when you, I know now why you went into it. I want to read one of my questions I got over and over again. Let me just make sure I, I'm going to call him Billy Bob. Cause it was a great question. He just sent me. He said, Sinead, you lived in some extreme poor areas. Rwanda, Calcutta, how did it affect you personally? How did you continue working day to day? Great question. Well, I, you know, when I was in Rwanda, while I was on the border, I was in the Tanzanian side. I think I, well, I was so young and um, I think what kept me going from day to day was were the the people that I was working with the, the the Rwandan people and the Tanzanian people and you know the the contrast to how uh, uh, you know he also asks how it affect me I I still to this day haven't have some guilt about the fact that you know I it was easy for me to go and easy for me to leave you know I yeah. remember my yeah. my last day there and you know looking out the back of the jeep as the the camp the refugee camp got smaller as we drove away and they they all continued on their lives there and i i got to go home to my nice middle class uh, home and and you know talk about this and have people think aren't, aren't you wonderful and and i just thought oh jesus you know it's oh it's but so, yeah. so that so that's the kind of guilt that that um lingers a little bit but um yeah, yeah but i mean the the people you meet and um the work that you do and the you know the help that your that that your organization is is providing can can be a real motivation i suppose so that being said his next part of the question is what positives if any he said what positives if any can you point to oh i mean there's there's loads it was like formative years it it, it I, I mean again I, I will i will refer to in all the different places i went the you know we're global citizens you, you know we're all just um uh, when you when you look at the world from from a distance from a satellite photograph we're just so small and and doesn't matter where you are you there's so many similarities amongst when i go to the lebanon or if i go to india or sierra leone or kenya i I always find the people who might have the same sense of humor as me. I also, I always find really? the people who are, are, would, have, you know, more studious than me. I always find the people who are the messers and I always, you know, those, those personality traits transcend cultures and countries. The, you know, as personality, personalities are the same all the world over. And unfortunately, some people are born in places where their opportunities are infinitely less than than others. So, yeah, uh, yeah. but you know, we're all just um, humans trying to get on. And uh, I suppose our the work that I would the positive stuff is that we're trying to make sure that people's rights are realised, and those rights yeah. are education and health and nutrition and protection of children, all those kind of things. And and some countries just aren't as uh, good on it as others. Okay, so. How did you communicate? I mean, did you have a translator? Do you speak all these languages? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's a lot well, of languages yeah, going on there. Yeah. Well, obviously, I mean, I didn't go to countries where 
um, the population didn't have um, English, uh, you know, I wouldn't have worked in Brazil or or um, Mozambique where there's Portuguese, like Sierra Leone, they do speak English and uh, yeah. Yeah. there's a lot of tribal language. Same in Papua New Guinea when I was there, like they there's 800 different type different tribal languages in Papua New Guinea but Whoa. everyone has yeah yeah so I, but, but you know a lot of a lot of them speak English so I was able to man you know so communicate and, and you know if you were in a situation where you were very deep into the bush uh yeah you would have a translator so that was fine okay so tell us about one of your I know you have so many but is there like one of your favorite countries you could tell us about and why it's hard to pick or maybe something that was a highlight that you can say that happened in one of the countries. Well, I suppose again, you know, in I think Lebanon was was an interesting country. I was in Beirut. I was living there for a while, and um, it's kind of a cool city, Beirut. Um, really? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It used to be called the Paris of the Middle East, and. Uh, Unfortunately, you know, given the civil war over the years, it's a lot of it's been destroyed, you know, it, it, parts of it have been blown up. But funnily enough, there was a, a hotel in Beirut of all the hotels that have been blown up. This hotel, the, Fe the, the Phoenicia, has survived. Um, and my parents went on honeymoon in Beirut and that is the hotel they stayed in. <laughs> and so, and that's still there. Yeah, I've heard of it. I've heard of it. The Phoenicia, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, and, and the Lebanese are, they're just, they're great, great people. And I made a lot of friends there. Uh, they're also, you know, the reason why uh, UNICEF were there, like a huge part of the program was receiving the Syrian refugees coming across the border. And, you know, Lebanon were, like one in four of the population of Lebanon were Syrians. So, um, you know, they were taking, uh, and the history, gosh, fact check after this, but the history uh, <laughs> okay, <fact laughs> would have been that, you know, Syria and Lebanon wouldn't always have been friends. Um, but somehow as time progressed, there they are receiving them during a difficult time and, and um, hosting hosting them in various parts of the border to to um, you know keep them safe during the civil war in Syria. Did you ever feel scared ever? I felt scared in Papua New Guinea because it is I, I needed I needed to have an escort at night time. I mean, I drove by myself. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had a car. It was a jeep, and I and I, at night time though I couldn't for fear of carjacking, I would need to call um, the security company and they would come and there'd be a like a large truck would lead me back to the house. And then there was a, like a safe room that I would lock. My bedroom was in, you know, it had various different locks and it had a panic button. And it was just the, the, the fact that those things were even there was it's just created a unsettling feeling all the time. And I the the most frequent time that you would be carjacked is when you're pulling up outside your your house. Yeah. And and the doors would slowly open. You know, obviously everything was locked down. So it's that yeah, moment yeah, yeah. that they would come and get you. And I just remember always at that moment going, come on, come on, come on. Uh, <laughs> you know, like hurry up. So yeah, that that and like they say, um, Port Moresby, which is the capital of Papua New Guinea, this is like one of the most dangerous cities in the world. So uh, I really um, I know how to pick them, <laughs> but it, yeah, so uh, yeah. I was wondering, were you ever scared? Am I going to die? Like, uh, what's going on here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was interesting. Like, I, it, they'd say if you ever get into a car crash, not to get out of the car, just to keep going. And I did actually drive in. I was coming up to a roundabout, and I was late for a meeting, and I bumped into the back of another car. I was like, oh my god, here we go! And the guys in the car in front of me came rushing back. Oh no! And they were like, just firstly looking at me, and I went. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. They could see I was a woman by myself and they went, um, where are you going? And I said, oh, I, I'm going to a meeting uh, in, in such and such a place. And um, they said, oh, we're going there, too. And it turned out that it was the um, prime minister's wife who's oh, who's uh, courting. <laughs> I, oh, I had bumped into the back of her, her, her security um, oh, entourage. Gosh. Yeah, so like, uh, but but it was actually her that we were going to meet. So uh, thankfully, oh I was able goodness. to. Oh my goodness! Yeah, so I mean, there's there's lots of um, there's funny stories as well, you know. But but I've never been in a situation where I 
you know, I mean, I've been in situations where I have to be very mindful of my security and it makes me anxious, but I've never actually had a situation where I'm, I have been in danger. So do you still have like a lot of friends all over the world that you've kept in touch with? Yeah, yeah, I do. I mean, I have friends from my very first mission overseas at that time in, in Rwanda through to Calcutta, through to, um, you know, I, I went to the, the, the stint I did in Sierra Leone was short. It was during the Ebola crisis. But even then, because it was such a intense time and, uh, you know, so, so people were working very closely together. So I still know people from that time as well. And yeah, it's, 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 it's an interesting life overseas as an expatriate um, because you arrive into um, their country and you know you're the outsider and so and, and you didn't grow up there and so you have to sort of create a very a network very quickly um, and you bond a lot of the fellow yeah expats would would bond and make friendships that do last for life yeah my aunt was a diplomat for the government and she went to like a lot of the countries that you've been to and then some and but she moved and it was really hard on her every yeah i'm sure years Mm, mm. And it took a toll, you know. Yeah. Um, she's she's not with us anymore, but she, her stories. I mean, yeah. you laugh, you cry, you laugh, you cry. Yeah. And the people she met. I mean, it was amazing. Now she did speak a lot of like I don't even know how she did it, like five or six languages. But wow, I think it was really the the hardest part is that you don't stay and have roots. Like you're moving every two years and then you get a break. She lived in DC and she came back, but that's still, that's a lot, a lot of traveling. Yeah. And it is, it is, I mean, I didn't travel as as much as many of my colleagues would have. I mean, there's an awful lot of people out there who, as you say, um, they would just, they call them emergency junkies. You know, they just love to, to follow where the crisis is. And, oh. um, but, but as a result, it, it, definitely it can affect their family life. Some people m might have marriages that could break down because yeah. they're, you know, it's like the war correspondent's life in a way. It's, it's, it can be, it can be tricky, you know, because you're yeah. not, you're not settling in roots and it's, it's hard to some places there's no good school for the kids. And yeah. Yeah. My aunt, I think she was married for a little bit, maybe a year or so, but that's it. I, yeah. Yeah. We were like her family, you know what I mean? Her brothers and yeah. sisters and their kids were like her family. Yeah, it's similar enough for me, actually. I have nine nieces and nephews and they're just mean the world to me. I see their pictures now and then. <laughs> yes, yes. It's great. I can also, um, when they start to cry, I can leave the room. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so we talked about one of your favorite countries. What has been through all this, one of the most difficult, you, you mentioned a little bit, but is there anywhere else that you would, like just the way what you saw, it was the most difficult to experience? You know, like you do see some terrible things. I, I um, was thinking about my, my time overseas and again, just to refer to Papua New Guinea, um, yeah. which I have some fantastic memories of. It's it, the people there, quite amazing, but it's, um, it's quite a violent place and um it's a very patriarchal place and i remember we went we went up um to a, a you know we got a there's, there's no there's no roads out of the capital port moresby so if you want to go to the rest of the country you need to fly so we oh. i brought yeah i brought a potential donor to some of our programs to a place that was quite remote um and it was you know, medical facility and some of our staff were briefing us as to what um, kind of work they're doing with the um, the program that that we're we're funding. And and one story that really stuck with me is is um you know maybe this is a bit heavy, but there isn't a very good justice system in Papua New Guinea. I mean, there is one, but it's yeah it's sort of tribal justice is more uh is often the one that people lean on it's sort of you know the, on the streets doing yeah. doing um that kind of thing but there was um one of the local clerics i suppose had been yeah. renowned for abusing the um the families the young the young girls and some of the local families rather than uh the way of of having him pay for his for the abuse 
yeah. they would go and get a medical report on the on the damage done to the children. And depending on how severe the medical report was, would reflect yeah. how much he would pay the family. Oh. Yeah. So it was very dark. Now, the, the, the woman who was telling me this story was saying that she kept seeing, you know, people would come to her uh, looking to get help to get a medical report. And um, she kept seeing this one particular cleric's name coming up. And even though the, the tribal justice system was something that they were pursuing, she decided she needed to go through the formal justice system and see if she could have him charged. And in, in that particular story, he did get charged and he did go to prison. But it's a rare one. And yeah. you know, she, that's possibly why she chose that, that story to yeah. say that it does happen. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's another world. Some of the things that um, some of these remote places have to deal with. But then, in you know, violence against children is a universal um issue it's not just in in as you you know as we all know very well yeah and and I, I'm, I'm wondering like i know you said you know you felt very fortunate and even guilty to come back to your amazing life but mm. what did you do like daily just to stay mentally and physically healthy because that's a lot to see and know and experience i mean friendships are important also you know we did have nice accommodation what it, again, it's like you would, in order to, I, I mean, you would have all the, I could go to, there was a supermarket, there was plenty of chocolate. Yeah. Yeah, well, for sure. The building had a gym, if you were so inclined, which I wasn't, and I should have been, but um, meditation, all those sort of coping strategies. And some people would be drinkers and unfortunately, yeah. Probably, yeah. Uh, yeah. Get stuck in more than they should, but yeah, I mean, I, I, a lot of humanitarian colleagues can get yeah. quite broken up, especially if they've seen some pretty, you know, I, yeah. I haven't, I haven't been caught in the crossfire um, or anything like that, and I know a lot of people who would have been and who have, to this day, are dealing with PTSD. So it's not similar, I suppose, to to the way it is in the U.S. when you have returning veterans. I, I, you know what? It's just reminding me. Sinead, of how important friendships are and people of like yeah. mind to, to lift mm. each other up, you know, no matter where yeah. you are. I'm thinking about even here in the U.S., you know, you go through good times and bad times. You don't need a lot, but you yeah. do need your posse, right? That they oh, understand. Yeah. And for you, the people you were with, nobody can understand what you're going through, but the people <laughs> that you're with. And that's why you have such a strong bond. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we used to at the weekends, we'd, we'd get a, a, a truck, uh, we'd pack a, a picnic and a, a tent and perch ourselves on the top of some mountain somewhere with the most amazing African sunset. Be, you know, I mean, there's some stunning memories that I have. Um, and, yeah. you know, we'd all be sitting around the fireside and uh, wondering what the sound of that animal was. And our... <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Yeah, no, if, and, and also th those kind of friendships are so important, especially when you come back, because when you come home, people don't have a clue what you've been through and Heck it no. just doesn't, it's, it's too much to even consider. So yeah. a lot of the time you just don't bother really getting into the details. I know I saw that with my uncle when, you know, he was a Vietnam vet. He didn't want to talk to anybody about it. You know, he wanted to go with his friends and his buddies and that's yeah. all he wanted to talk with. Because he was like, you can't, what am I going to tell you? You're going to understand. Like, wh what? What could you possibly understand? Well, I hope they're dealing with that, you know, in, in, now that people are much more aware of, the, of PTSD and what kind of impact that can have. And I, yeah. I don't know uh, of any uh, military entity, be it the U.S. or any other nationality, that they have some kind of facilities for returning vets. But I mean, I have to say, you know, having I was working mostly for the U.N., um, the Irish NGOs to start with, but the U.N. has still got a lot to learn about um, how it's, it deals with people who, who have seen a lot or, or experienced certain issues yeah. as a result of their time, um, be it, 
even in HQ or or overseas, like the the this is something that has yet to, to be caught up on. I think. Really. Mm. Well, yeah, very much so. It's. I um, think that would be one of their number one priorities because you know it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it 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 almost sort of prides itself on being on the front line helping it's almost patronizing to the local communities we're here there's there's a thing called the white savior complex and you, you go that that um oh. certainly back in the day when i first started out there was the, the missionaries and all these europeans were going out to various different places somehow saving other people's the local communities live and and it really that's not the case at all it's it's just another bunch of people who just didn't have the same opportunities that you had and how yeah. much do you really have to teach <laughs> they often not teach you more than you can teach them so um I but, agree. Uh, yeah no no 100 percent uh and there's, there's a lot of humility needs to be learned in in this um sector i believe i, I i've lost my train of thought on in terms of the ptsd and how the the humanitarian sector needs to very much catch up on on how they manage that no you were right on young lady you did not lose your train of thought i (laughs) so heartily agree with you in that you know it's almost and i'm not familiar with your area but i see it in other areas it's like they want to have a blind eye to it you know what i mean like let's just pretend that didn't happen and they're not dealing with it and I'm sorry. It's got to be dealt with, you know? It has to. And I totally understand that there has to be somebody in that specific arena like you talked about because you want to have people that really can go through it with you. Like even my friend who is a counselor, just even saying for eating disorders. Right. She went through it herself. You know what I mean? Like and and experienced and came out the other side and and made to some point. And now she's shedding that light. Or my other friend who's a counselor for people that were rape victims. Not that you always have to be, but she went through it herself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, it did. But, but, but I, I think that, you know, when you, when those friends of yours who went through it themselves and have been good enough to give back what they, Clearly, others helped them get through their trauma, and they're kind and and generous enough to to give back to other unfortunate victims. Is is yeah. some people don't like yeah. to be called victims, but but yeah, I mean, I I think though that in the um in my sector, it's almost like I don't know how this is going to come out, but it's okay. It's it's you could have witnessed things that are not so on paper don't sound hugely traumatic. But you could be the recipient of endless harassment or uh, uh, they could have abused power uh, in their position overseas, unprotected by the familiar surroundings that you're used to. And and you can generate a lot of trauma uh, and, and there's no there's there's no mechanism to help you transition back into the you know after uh, uh, being out away for a certain period of time or or now if you're I dealing understand. with anything yeah. it's it's you know they don't it, they wouldn't necessarily automatically ask you if you would like to speak to somebody or so it's it, it and i think what i was going to say previously is this where some people think they're heroes right and they think yeah. we're gung-ho yeah. and we're humanitarians and we don't need to talk about it because we're tough and we're saving lives and you know it, it couldn't be further from the truth and they're probably now i understand yeah 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 but um you don't get me wrong there's there's so much amazing work is being done out there um but i i do think it a, a lot needs to be fixed yeah in order to serve the the people that we're serving better and that's okay you know we should i mean that's okay you know like i'm glad you said it because it doesn't just because there's things that went on that are horrific and need to be fixed doesn't mean there wasn't a lot of good too you know, I mean, it goes without saying that there's a lot of, you, you, you know, you you need only look at some of the stuff that's happening overseas and see the 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 education programs and um, health programs and all that. I mean, there's just a lot of good stuff going on out there and a lot yeah. of good people. Yeah. Um, but in, in certain situations, it just could take one person to set the whole thing off in the wrong direction. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. One person could be very, very powerful. Mm-hmm. One way or the other, right? One way or the yeah. other. 
Well, exactly. Yeah. All right, Sinead, I could talk to you about this forever, yeah. but there's so many other things I want to get in. Like, what was it like being an intern for Senator Ted Kennedy? I mean, I mean, I'm sitting here going, oh, you're like a week talk show, like with all your different <laughs> stories and things you've learned and how to yeah. prove different things. But I need to know. I mean, that's a pretty big deal during the Clinton-Gore campaign. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I was in, I didn't intend to volunteer for the Clinton Gore campaign also because I wasn't a US citizen so it wasn't there's that something that yeah <laughs> but 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 I mean it, it, I think they have those parameters uh, you need to be is it I don't know but but it, it, I was able to answer a phone or, or two I was very young but but what I did intend to do was to the opportunity to intern for Kennedy came up and I obviously snapped it up it was the 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 I was working in his foreign policy unit um, and, and the woman that I was reporting into, a woman called Trina Vargo, is someone I'm very much still in touch with today and she's quite uh, a formidable, uh, amazing character and she's she's done so much actually for American-Irish relations and uh, I was real, I got so lucky to, to work uh, with her and then obviously he had, the people that worked for Kennedy were very um, loyal to him and they had a huge amount of respect for him. Apparently, he was very uh, strong constituency worker. Uh, his constituents would write, I mean, Massachusetts, I mean, he was senator for the state of Massachusetts. So yeah. so he, he was very sort of active in his job as a senator for the state. Uh, and I learned a lot. I just learned about American politics. I learned about the difference between the Senate and the Congress. <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, it's if I, I don't ask me to explain the electoral college and not this is it's very confusing to anyone who doesn't live in the states. So uh, it's very but, confusing yeah. to me, and I live in the states. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was it was a real eye opener to to be around. We we were uh, to 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 work. I I worked in at night. I worked in the Irish Times pub, serving pitchers of beer to. Irish American men and women who Sounds liked fun uh, to me. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It was fun. It was definitely fun. Um, and uh, so, so yeah, I do that at night, and then I'd go in and intern during the day. So I was a tired puppy, but it was uh, it was an incredible experience. Yeah, it sounds exciting. Oh, I would have loved yeah. doing that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the the things she got me to. There were certain things that she asked me to do that was. A really great experience for an intern to be asked to do about yeah. you know, calling various different embassies, asking Ooh. about a particular bill that he might have been trying to put through. I think he was he did a lot to to push for the minimum wage bill. Um, again, fact check here, <laughs> but it's been it's a <laughs> little check. while ago. Yeah, but um, yeah, super. I, I mean, I met him at one one point. He, uh, Trina brought me into his office, and uh, he was showing me around his office. And at one point, he points to this letter uh, that was on his wall, and it was a letter that he had written to his mother Rose. And um, he he was a kid, right? I mean, you could see it was very childish writing, and I, I can't remember the details of the letter. Something, dear mommy, I love you, and this is what I did in school today, whatever. Yeah. And his mum had written the letter back, correcting everything that he had written and you know yes. which he had framed as a sort of way going yeah <laughs> uh, you know the standards were high in the kennedy household oh my goodness you must have been like oh my god i'm here in the office with him i know oh, I can't yeah, yeah 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 it was uh, yeah no I, I i felt very lucky i i, I hope i sure i didn't uh, take full advantage of it in the sense that i was also 20 something so i was having a good time too of course <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's like, yeah. I forget whose office we were in. We were lucky enough to get a tour. And my son, he's 18 now, but he loves politics. But I don't know. He was 10. And the only thing he remembers about the guy, I forget even who he visited, was he had great M&Ms. That was it. He was 10, you know, at oh, the time. Okay. So he wasn't like 23 yeah. or something. <laughs> no, no, he's 18 now. But I think we we're okay. go, do you remember and go into so-and-so's office? And I don't want to get it wrong because I forget. But he was like, yeah. Yeah, mom. He had great evidence. So, well, there you go. He's a clever politician that he had. Um, he was he was able to charm the children who would That's convince right. the parents who to vote for. Right. See, so the evidence had impact. Yeah, you just never yeah. know. Okay. Absolutely. What are you up to now, young lady? What are you doing currently? Oh uh, well, I'm I'm working on um, 
uh, at the moment, I don't. It's not in the news as much because of Afghanistan, but it, uh, there's um, Yemen isn't in a good situation at the moment, and there's it's it's very much sort of on the verge of of, of a, an all-out famine. Um, so I'm working for a foundation that has is dispersing a lot of money to the various different UN agencies on the ground. And um, it, it really, the, the, the injection of money into Yemen is, is merely to divert a famine. Uh, I don't know how long it can be diverted uh, if the civil war isn't dealt with. Um, the, you know, the peace talks is something that is going, it's been seven years now. So as an Irish person, I know how that is, but um, it, it's uh, it's pretty grim. Yeah, 800 years, I think we had in Ireland. But um, yeah, so, so yeah. Years. Oh my God, all right, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, so, so it's not great in, in Yemen at the moment and um, yeah, like uh, it, it's interesting with Afghanistan how the media sort of they, all, they go all for one uh, response and then forget about the other response. And it's a real shame because the people of Yemen's their situation hasn't changed in any way. It's just that the Afghanistan situation is more interesting and everyone's running it on a loop now. Um, and obviously the people of Afghanistan are in a terrible situation, but um, there's just so many. I mean, this again, going back to Papua New Guinea, like talk yeah. about a silent yeah. crisis. Nobody seems to have any. I mean, the Australians, it's very near Australia. So if you're over on that side of the planet, People are talking about it, but certainly not over here. No, or, no or yeah, 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 because it's it's all about political interests, and uh, yeah, you know, if you have a history there, is it... so so that's what I'm doing. I mean, I'm I'm working on I'm a partnerships and um, communication specialist and advisor, and uh, just trying to make sure that everything's sticking over. We have a great team of uh, people who are working on the program side. I mean, basically, just it's nutrition. It's um, cash assistance, making sure that the um, people are able to put some food on the table just from day to day. You know, Sinead, I'm sitting here thinking as much as I try to know what's going on in the world, I'm scratching mm. the surface. For, so thank you so much for making my listeners and me even more aware of how, you know, we have to be careful, like you said, because you only get certain news and you don't yeah. hear about other things. I have friends in Australia, so I knew about the Papua New Guinea stuff, but I have to admit, I, I sometimes, it's too difficult for me. I get really upset. Yeah, I know. And, and yeah, sometimes you're just trying to get from one end of the day to the other. Like you can't be on top of everything and it's part of my job. So um, it, it's, it behooves for me to, to be, um, have my finger on the pulse. Um, but uh, I, I don't know what other people are doing on a day-to-day -day basis in their occupation. So I, I wouldn't be too hard on yourself. Uh, I think it's, um, it, it, people are very generous, uh, even to be interested in, in any of yeah. this story and, and other, yeah. you know, if you've given any money to charity, it's, it's great. That's just, just do your thing and as much as you can. And, and to keep on going, yeah. be kind to yourself. My husband and son, who would never want to be on a podcast, but my, I told you my son's 18. They both are so involved in what's going on in the world and the political system and how they can help. Wow. And a lot of it, because the aunt I talked about, that was my um, husband's aunt that I got really close to. And, you know, oh, okay, wow. it's just the way that, you know, he grew up in this family about yeah. trying to tell people, we're, like you said, we're not that different when you get down to it, oh. you know. We're more yeah. alike and our needs are like, but all day long, even my son, always, he could tell, oh my gosh, Sinead, he, not that he would because you're talking about shy, but yeah. if I named a country, any country yeah. in the freaking world and just put a right. pin, something yeah. I couldn't even pronounce, he'd tell me yeah. what's going on, who's running the government, what they should do, what the political climate is. And I'd be whole, he goes, mom, how people don't see it all matters. I mean, you can't separate out. And now it does interest him. And I don't know how he remembers all that. But also at a very young age, my husband and him would talk about everybody and everything going on in the world and how you can't just isolate yourself out. Now, is he going to pursue a career related to this at all or, or oh related gosh, to his... Oh I tried. I tried. I tried to push him because even my aunt said, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, I was almost going to say his name. He'd get so mad. Yeah. My son, he'd yeah. say, um, yeah. you, you definitely should do this because... And he's got a great way and i'm not just saying that this he can talk to people listen to both sides and not offend and come up with a different conclusion 
and hmm. and never offend the other person, even though right. I could have a totally different point of view. I'm like, do you understand what this gift is? And you never insult and you actually listen to everyone's point of view. Come on. Yeah. But at this point, he's going to college for art, a BFA. And he's like, mom. So I talked to him yesterday. You have such a great gift. I, how you love all people. And he's like an activist. He goes, mom, didn't you hear me the first time? I'm going to be an activist. And that saved yeah. a lot. And he goes, and I'll use my art. Who's to say exactly. I won't use That's my art to be say. an activist? That's what he yeah. said. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at, at the, the UN Secretariat, we have, uh, there, there's often art exhibitions, especially, you know, art is a way of therapy for a lot of, um, you know, refugee kids who use drawing as a way of expressing what's on their mind and some, some of the drawings are a little bit disturbing, obviously, but it's yeah. a very, very important part of, of the, the the picture. So, uh, I, you know, it, it's yeah. by the signs of your son, he's going to be using his knowledge and his interest, his passion it, together with art. And I'd say he's, he's uh, will be, I'll be looking forward to seeing how he does. Like he said, he goes, Mom, do you want me to come over? and not be in school <laughs> and sit there and say, ask this about this country, ask this. I'm like, no, no, it's okay. Maybe we'll bring her back for that different type of podcast. Cause he yeah. wanted to ask you like more about really what's going on and who's in power and what did you say? And like things that I wouldn't even yeah. be begin to have the knowledge of. Yeah. Like, well, maybe well, we'll bring her on at another time. And I was well, like, it sounds like he might have, but he would know more than me. So. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, but it would be fun. Okay. So before we go and go to rapid fire, some fun questions. I just want to say, it'll be fun. I just want to okay. say thank you so much for sharing your story. We've never, ever in all my seven or eight years have anybody with your journey. So I'm honored. I really am. Well, well thank you so much, Sandy, for, for uh, you know, it, it wasn't quite as awful and i was my nerves um dissipated very quickly because you have such a great way of making people feel comfortable and uh ease so um yeah thank well, you well you got a lot a few to say levels. and how you're saying it. and the fact that i love the part not that i want you to feel guilty because i don't want you to feel guilty but yeah. the fact that you have that mindset like oh my god not oh uh this was great for me to do this you were feeling guilty yeah. that you go back to your home you want people like you doing this work. Mm, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's the kind of person. Without guilt, though. Without guilt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't, guilt's not good. We don't want the guilt. So I appreciate it. I appreciate it. And I'm sure people are going to have more questions for you once this goes up. And, you know, you can answer them wherever way you want to. But now sure. it's time for rapid fire. So here you go. Ooh. You ready for this okay. very big question? What's your favorite color? Blue. Favorite food? Mushy peas. <laughs> no, are you joking with me? No, no, it's a family thing. It's a, you know, our parents used to steep the peas on a Saturday night for dinner on Sunday. It's just one of those things. It's just. <laughs> peas. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. Uh, any favorite book that you have read in the last year or two that you'd like to recommend? Oh, there was a really funny book. I mean, you know, to finally make it a bit lighter, there's a guy called Adam Kay who's written a book about um, his time as a junior doctor. And I can't remember the name of it now, but oh my God. I mean, laugh out loud stuff. It's I need that. Funny. No, I need that. Because yeah. if yeah. I read one yes. more memoir or self-help book, I mean, I need something just to laugh. It's brilliant. If you could be an animal, what animal would you be? And why would you be that animal? Oh, I'd be like, um, I'd be a, 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 f a cute family dog, a de like a dog in a, in a, in a, fam a family full of kids, that, you know, because it's an important reciprocated love. You give love and get love and you <laughs> get spoiled and you spoil them and everything. Yeah. That, a dog. <laughs> yeah. Some people are going <laughs> to, but yeah. I no, mean, no, I get it. My I first get it response. because you know they run up to the door. Yeah, yeah, I'd be great. <laughs> they listen to all your stories. You know, yeah. it's, it's it's a great time. Okay, so what do you do on a daily basis to lift up your spirits? Like right now, like during your day, do you have any routine? Like if you start getting bummed or down, is there anything that you do? I, I know you don't work out. You just said that. You don't work yeah. Out. 
forget about it. Um, <laughs> there is, I, 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 the place I've moved to is right by the sea. And that's one of the things that I, I, my main criteria, and I did it, I've done it in an awful lot of places. Like I did it in Papua New Guinea, I did it in New York, and I did it in Beirut, just to be beside the sea. And that's where I am now. And I literally, in the morning, just go out and walk by the the, the sea and it's beautiful. It's really nice. It's very calming. I have to admit, I don't like to say the J word, but I am a little jealous. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, uh, so calming. Um, so yeah. calming. Yeah. So yeah. Calming. As they say, Fulcha, Fulcha, Gaji, Era, you're welcome to come over anytime. Well, you, now, now listen, Sinead, you don't know me well, but I'm very adventurous. And I yeah. do think spur of the moment, I could wake up and say, I've been wanting to go to Ireland. And my husband would be like, she's going. There's her bags. Now it's a little more difficult now. So you're yeah, in yeah. shape, but I could be there. Yeah, okay. well, it's, yeah, it's, it's on tape. Yeah, it's, that's, that's right. I have it recorded. All right. So when I say the word universe, what does universe mean to you? Oh, gosh, Sandy. Uh, oh, God, climate change, I suppose. I mean... <laughs> Maybe I'm gonna pee myself. Oh my god, no one's ever said that. They're <laughs> oh really? Well, it's just you know, people aren't being responsible, and we're 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 gonna. Everyone thinks that we're so important, and this little tiny blob in the universe, and uh, we need to look after this planet, especially for what is a wonderful proverb, uh, something like um, a wise man plants a tree whose shade he'll never enjoy a wise woman okay. wise person <laughs> a wise person yeah um so so we need to um we need to be thinking about that just because we may not be here for for that it's it's hugely important i love that proverb and i've never heard it yeah 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 and then i heard like the uh, the wall street gang were saying there's something called ibg ubg which means i'll be gone you'll be gone so that's the <laughs> the polar opposite of that proverb I gave you. So you're yes, dealing with I, um, I, I think yeah. I'm, the, God, the two I don't different really care polls. about my grandchildren, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, Sinead Andrews and the people listening, I know you're gonna say Sinead has definitely kept it real. So I am very grateful for you listening. I am so grateful for you passing this on. We only ask that you share it and like it with those you know. We'll, we'll truly be interested, and which is going to be everybody. So please share it with your friends and rate us and like us and support us. Sinead, thank you so much for taking the time to be on here. I really, really appreciate it. No, I really appreciate it too. Thank you so much, Sandy. It's opened my eyes to a lot of things and, you know, I have a whole different perspective. All right, my let's keep it real people. You know what I'm going to say until next time. Toodles. Thanks for listening. Be sure to share and subscribe if you enjoyed the show and remember, keep spreading the positive.